0: Good morning. Good morning. How is everyone? Well, this morning we're going to talk about adoption. And To start us off, I want to share with you a story about adoption. Um, many of you know that Jimmy and Diana Wilson um, adopted a son, Michael, and are in the process of adopting a little girl, Aaliyah. And I want to share with you their story. Um, they couldn't be here today, but they wrote it out for me. And I want to, I want to start with that. Uh, I believe Diana wrote this, and this is what she says. Watching two of my babies as they enjoy an evening swim with their cousin, Tara, I am asked to reflect on a journey. How immensely God has blessed us, I can't even imagine how such joy could possibly come from so much pain. I grew up the youngest in a family of four and always said that I wanted to have at least children of my own. I had the privilege of birthing the most wonderful and beautiful girl when I was 21, but it was during a time of pain and struggle. Only God knew what I needed at the exact moments of my life. I have never regretted a single moment of being Jordan's mom, and she has grown into an amazing young woman. But that is another story for a different time. Years later, on my own pre-written timeline, I asked God to bless my family again with more children. We had to have our family complete before I reached advanced maternal age, or I might turn into a pumpkin. We waited and hoped and prayed, and a year turned into two. As my clock ticked closer to that terrible number I had predetermined, we began an emotional roller coaster ride of infertility, infertility treatments. Month after disappointing month, hope reborn, dashed upon the rocks, soul-searching and praying to understand God's will, His timing, and His plan, not our own. One fateful day, we were forced to choose between harvesting and fertilizing eggs in the process of in vitro fertilization, or giving up on our dreams altogether. Our faith in God and our understanding of embryology, along with my personal experience as a neonatal practitioner, we decided that IVF was not an option for us and that God had called us to step out and care for the orphans already born that are so abundant in our society, but on the fringes of our existence. We became licensed foster to adopt through Loving Alternatives Agency and welcomed two beautiful boys, Jordan, 18 months, and Seth, newborn, whom we thought we would get to keep but they were returned to their mother after six months due to a glitch in the CPS system. A total devastation for our whole family. We didn't understand why we were suffering, what God's plan was, or how we could endure such pain. Years later, not even knowing where they are, they are still our boys, and our prayers for them will never cease. They could rejoin our family in an instant, should God allow that. Michael came to us at eight and a half months of life, As we thought this was to be a sure thing, a low-risk adoption from a mom who gave up her custody and signed them over to us. We were instantly in love, and the title Mommy and Daddy and Sister have nothing to do with blood. Our sure thing turned into a -a three-and-a-half-year struggle with a judge who does not believe in termination of parental rights and believes he is above the law. We prayed and worried and cried and worried some more. We surrendered all and waited patiently to the Lord. In December of 2012, we were breast with Michael's one half-sister, half Aaliyah, at 20 months old. Michael's adoption was finalized after multiple court dates and jumping through hoops on May 6th of 2013. We are hoping to finalize Aaliyah's adoption on July 2nd. At two and four years old, neither Aaliyah nor Michael understands the circumstances of their birth. They only know, as Mommy and Daddy and Sister Jojo, and we only know them as our own. God has blessed us beyond our imagination, and none can dispute that they are our babies, adopted, but ours by choice and by God's design. I don't know uh, how many of you uh, knew that story or have walked through the Wilsons with this, but it's been a roller coaster for them. But God is good, and He allowed them to adopt these babies. And let's continue to pray for them and to pray um, that Aaliyah's adoption will be finalized. Linda, would you mind bringing me my bottle of water? Please, that's under my seat over there. Well, today, like I said, we're going to talk about adoption. And Jimmy and Diana's story reminded me about God's love for us. God's love is—thank you. Uh, God has a love for us that is truly incomprehensible. Today we're going to be looking at, at our text, uh, Galatians chapter 3, 26-47, if you'll turn there. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his Father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery, under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, under the law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you were sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you're a son, God, has also made you an heir. Well, the past couple of weeks, Pastor Matt and Pastor Garen have been teaching us what is going on right before this passage. The Apostle Paul is defending himself against a group of conservative Christian, Jewish Christians um, that were teaching works um, by faith, or works with faith. Uh, The people in Galatia were told that they... They were, they were to be right with God um, through faith, but they had to finish it up by works. Um, Paul was That was totally opposite of what Paul was teaching. Paul was teaching that they didn't come through faith through their Jewish heritage. They came through faith for their love of Jesus Christ and their trust in, trust in him. And that is good news today because I, don't, I believe that most of us in this room would be considered Gentiles. I don't think any of us... Um, are Jewish, so that's good news for us. We, we have the same inheritance that, that the Jewish people had. The first thing to note from verse 26 and 27 in chapter 3 is we are sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Ladies, don't get hung up on the word sons. We're going to talk about equality in a minute. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time here either because I'm going to come back to it. But Paul says we know if we're Christians, if we have put our faith in Christ and we have been baptized and clothed with the Holy Spirit. Now, he's not saying that baptism saves you, because it doesn't, but it's just a natural progression after you put your faith in Christ. Clothed in Christ means that we take off our old self, and we put on our new self. Um, in, in the Roman society... Um, I want to hold that for a moment... <laughs> Um, Let's look at verse 28 and 29 again in chapter 3. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Jesus has eliminated those things that typically distinguish us. Now, verse 28 is kind of controversial. We're not going to get into all of the different ways it's controversial, and we're not going to get into to all of it, but I accept to say that Paul's purpose in saying that we are all one isn't that we lose our uniqueness. We don't lose our uniqueness. His point was that we're all one. We don't become uh, gender neutral when we become a Christian. If you're a man, you stay a man. I know you're glad about that. If you're a woman, you stay a woman. Even better news. We don't all, be, all belong to one socioeconomic status. If you're Asian, you stay Asian. If you're Hispanic, you stay Hispanic. If you're white, you stay white. If you're short, you stay short. And I could go on and on, but you get the point. And I was really hoping Boyd was going to be here today because I was going to say if you stay bald. I mean, if you're bald, you stay bald, but oh well. <laughs> um, again, Paul's point is not that he's trying to make us all the same. But he is trying to make us one, equal, and unified. You heard Paul say earlier, um, Acts uh, 4.32, um, which we've kind of adopted as our, well, not kind of, we have adopted as our verse for the church during the interim. Um, All the believers were united in one heart and one mind. That's just what Paul was, that's Paul's point. What Jesus has enabled is actual community. With He's enabled us to have actual community with people that are different from us people that we have nothing in common with. There are people in here that I have nothing in common with, but because we're in Christ, we're, uni- we're unified. Uh, he, Jesus loves us, we love him back, and that's what unifies us. Let's turn to chapter 4 and look at verses 1 through 5. What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent of a son, born of a woman, born under, wall, under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of son. Let's unpack what this says a little bit. In today's society, there is no specific time that you become a man. Now, boys like, boys and girls like to think, or boys like to think that when you turn 16 and you get your driver's license, that they're a man. They also like to think when they graduate from high school or they turn 18, that they've become a man. Philip told George and I, when he turned 18, he, he like pronounced, now I am a man. I'm 18, I'm a man. And we said, no, you're not. Do you pay your own bills? Does that truck you drive your own? You know, Do you have a job? No, I don't think so. So you are not a man. <laughs> I hated to dash his dreams, but it's just the truth. <laughs> so, although kids like to declare themselves men and women way before their time, they're not men. But in the Roman society, it was different. The dad would actually tell the, the son when he was a man. When the dad thought that the son had become a man, he would just actually pronounce it. He'd say, hey, you're a man. Today is the day that you're a man. And he would actually take the, the clothing that he was dressed in and replace it with men's clothing. That's something that the father would actually do. Um, and he would say, we're peers now, come hang out with the men. And everything of significance and maturity for the son hinged on the father. What the scripture also says is that there had to be guardians involved, which is the same today. Our kids have coaches, they have tutors, they have teachers. So he had the, boy, the boys had um, people around them, surrounding them, helping them grow up. When you were little, you live in a controlled environment. You need rules. You need, to tell, you need someone to tell you, don't put your head in the toilet. Don't eat the food off the floor. Don't put things in your nose. Don't put things in any hole in your body. Just don't do that. Because if you don't tell little boys this, they'll do it all at once, and they'll do it all before lunchtime. <laughs> the problem is that when you are grown, no set of rules can give you a connect-the-dots formula for how to live your life. When you, what you need is maturity and the Holy Spirit. The problem that the Galatian church is having is that these people are coming in like old guardians and tutors, saying, "Here's the rules, here's the rules, here's the rules, here's the rules," and Paul is saying, "We don't need those rules." That's being centered on us being good, rather than us on having us having faith in Jesus Christ. Number three on your bulletin is you were a slave. A slave, of course, has no freedom. He or she simply does what they are commanded to do. The tragedy of this this, is that no matter how hard they try, no matter how hard they work, they can't get themselves free. They're still a slave. This used to be our position, Paul is saying, before we had God, before we had the Holy Spirit. We owed a debt that we couldn't pay. We had not fulfilled the law of God and couldn't fulfill the law of God no matter how hard we tried. That put us, therefore, in the position of a slave. Even the best effort of our most devoted life, no matter how hard we tried, we could not get out of the position we were in. You were a slave, and I was a slave. You ready for some good news? The good news, the gospel, is that God has acted to win your freedom. What has God done? Look at verse 6. He sent his son into the world, and he spent sent his spirit into our hearts. You were a slave, but God has acted. In this decisive way, he sent his son into the world and has sent his spirit into your heart. And so now you're a different position. You're a son. You're no longer a slave. All your debts were canceled, and you were instantly given a new status. Let's look at verse 7 in chapter 4. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has also made you an heir. This remarkable change, Paul is saying, has already happened. Catch that. It has already happened if you were a Christian believer. You were a slave. You are a son just because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I think that most of us here today would say that we are sons of God through faith. We would say that because we've accepted Christ... We know that we are free. That's what we would say anyway. But I have to wonder if we don't live like we're slaves still. Even though we know in our heads that we're free, we still live like we're slaves. You see, the gospel is more than forgiveness for the past and heaven for the future. It means that today, right now, we are heirs and God's family, and we have all the rights and privileges that come with that. It's important for us to comprehend, because if you're anything like me, your mind will often be on the fact that there is still so much that God has to do in you and in me. I'm so far from being conformed to the image of Christ. There is so much that I, I, I still... Have to do and that God still has to do in me. And we're drawn to that. We're naturally drawn to that, um, that part of it. We have to remind ourselves, it's good for us to remind ourselves that God has already made us free in Christ. And freedom, faith, means believing that these things are true. It means believing it. We have to believe it. So many of us live in defeat. We don't believe that God says we are who He says we are chosen adopted, favored, forgiven. That's, what, that's who God says we are. And we believe it for other people. I, I, I believe it for every one of you in this room. When it comes to myself, I believe that I'm going to strive to be who God says I am. But do you see the difference? We don't need to strive because we actually are already in Christ who God says we are. And I can't help but think part of the reason that we're still living in slavery, even though we're free, is that we don't have the correct perception of God. I wonder if some of us have trouble thinking of God as a father because they grew up without a father or because their father was an authority figure. Their father was the rule maker and the judge. And you see God as being distant because your dad was distant. You see, some of us don't have a good relationship with our earthly father, and so we can't imagine what our heavenly father is like. We can't imagine that he's good and kind and giving. That he's not a boss. That he's not a taskmaster. That he's not... That he doesn't want a time card from you saying how much time you spent in prayer this week. How many times have you read your Bible this week? How, much, how many hours have you given to service this week? That's not who he is. That's, that's not God. I can't be further from the truth. Let's look at verse 6 again. Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts. The Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Do you know what Abba means in Aramaic? It means daddy. What a portrait of intimacy, right? And that's what God wants with us, intimacy. Let's briefly look at one of the most profound pictures of the love of the Father. It's the story of the prodigal son, and it's found in Luke chapter 15. Jesus is telling the disciples a story about a man and two sons. Actually, don't make me laugh. And the younger son decided that he would just like his inheritance now. Hey, Dad, can you give me my inheritance now? Hey, Dad, can you give me my inheritance now? <laughs> Darn it. So he, his dad, even though that was really dishonoring his father, his dad went ahead and gave it to him. Well, the son took everything he had, The inheritance and all of his belongings and he went to a a faraway land and guess what he did with the money he lived wildly he got drunk he had parties and he squandered away every single penny that his dad had given him and everything that he had that he had taken with him he had no money left he didn't know what to do he was desperate so he thought to himself I will ask my father if he will just accept me as a slave. I, I know I've dishonored him. I know he won't take me back as a son, and I don't have any right to ask, but maybe he'll accept me as a slave. Let's look at verse 20, Luke 15. In, in my version I'm going to read is out of the ASV, ASV Bible. It says, So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with pity and tenderness for him. And he ran and embraced him and kissed him fervently. Now, speaking of kissing, Ashley does not want me to tell the story, which is why she's laughing. But I told her I had to tell it. Because when I read this, when I read that version of the ASV that says kissed fervently, I thought of this story. When she was in kindergarten, and George uh, was up here at band rehearsal one Wednesday night, and she was up here for kids' activities. And um, when they came home, she said, Mom, guess what? And I said, what? And she goes, this is when the Patricks were here. And she said, uh, I kissed Brennan. I said, You did? And she was like, Yeah. Well, I was like, Okay, good. She's in kindergarten. He's a couple years old, no big deal. And she said, Mom, I kissed Brennan a lot. And I was like, You did? And she was like, Yeah. And, I, and, and so the more she talked about it, I, you know, I was kind of half listener. And I finally was like, Where were y'all? Where was Daddy? Where was Sean? And she goes, We were under the pool table upstairs. <laughs> She said, I bet we kissed a hundred times. And she, she was not ashamed. She had no, no, no fear. She said, he sticked his tongue in my mouth, and I sticked my tongue in his mouth. Talk about kissing fervently. Thank you, Ashley. I had to share that. So, back to the prodigal son. I don't think there was that kind of kissing going on, but the father was so glad to have the son back that he embraced him, and he kissed him fervently. The point is, is the father didn't hold the fact that the son had dishonored him against the son. He didn't judge him. He didn't yell and scream at him. He embraced him. Friends, that is what God wants... us. He wants to embrace us. He wants to have a relationship with us. Ben, you can go ahead and, and come on, back up. I know you just sat down. This is my final point. Let me ask you something. Do you remember the story of the Scarlet Letter? What label are you wearing today? Sometimes we revert back to wearing labels from our past. Sometimes Satan whispers labels to us, and sometimes other people label us. Remember the A for adulterer? Well, that's just one one of many labels out there. What about the A that stands for addict? What about D for divorced? Or S for shamed? C for crazy? L for lazy? B for bankrupt? R for regret? F for fired or forgotten? U for unloved or unwanted. Let's talk about the multiple letter labels. F-O-G, full of regret. P-O-M, pregnant outside of marriage. N-G-E, not good enough. Has anyone been slapped with the label DWI? J-B for jailbird. T-P for terrible parent. Maybe you have even worn multiple labels at times. You know what? Those labels don't define who you are. God is the only one that can define who you are. You can peel that label off today. God wants to remind you that he sent his son into the world, and he sent his spirit into our hearts. You've been adopted. Just like Jimmy and Diana adopted Michael and Aaliyah and they're their kids. They love them like their own. They are their own. They love them unconditionally. God has adopted you as his own and he loves you unconditionally. You've been set free. You are a son. You are a daughter of the one true king. Do you believe that today? 1 John 3, 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Can you imagine what your life would look like if you really understood the fact that you are a son of God, that He loves you intimately and wants a relationship with you? That he's slow to anger, full of love, quick to forgive, and he's always bestowing grace and mercy even when we don't deserve it. If we really grasp that, if we could really truly wrap our minds around the fact that we were sons of God, don't you think our lives would look a lot different than they look right now? We would have a dramatically strengthened sense of security, for one. Our faith would grow. We would have more joy, more love, and more hope. Beth Moore says, if we really believe God is who he says he is, that he can do what he says he can do, and that we are who God says that we are, sons, daughters our decisions and our subsequent behaviors will reflect it how are your decisions and your behaviors reflecting that you are a child of God today don't you want that freedom that comes with believing that you are who God says you are I know I do blessed, forgiven chosen, adopted redeemed favored you are favored by God. Here's what I want you to do right now. I'm going to pray in a minute. And as I pray, I want you to be thinking about what label you carry around with you. It can be a label that somebody else has placed on you, that you've placed on yourself, that Satan has placed on you. Whatever it is that you that you're carrying around. I want you to write that name on this Hello, My Name is stickers that were handed out to you. If you don't have one, there's some blank ones at this altar right here. I want you to write that label on it. And then, as I'm praying, I want you to come down and I want you to exchange it for a label that says, I am a child of the one true king. And then I want you to think about that this week. I want you to take that label everywhere you go. I want you to put it somewhere that's very visible, and I want you to think about what that means for you, what that means for your life, and I want you to believe it most of all, despite what you may feel. Feelings are not truth. Let's prepare our hearts, and I'm going to pray, and I want you to fill out your labels, and I don't want anyone looking around, just fill out your card, don't be shy. This isn't about anyone else around you. It's about you and it's about God. There are plenty of labels up here. Just come. If you don't want anybody to see what your label says, just put it on, put it face down. If you have a prayer request, you can come up and put your prayer card in. If you just want to pray at the altars, that's okay too. But just let this be a time where you just rip the labels that are not of God off. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for who you are and who you say we are in you. God, I thank you for sending your son into this world. I thank you for sending your spirit into this world just for me, just for the people in this room. Lord, if we would have been the only people, you would have still done that. God, there is nothing that we can do to earn your love. No matter how hard we serve you, how long of hours we serve you, Lord, we can't earn it. It's free. And that is so hard for us to understand sometimes and to accept. Because most of the time in the world, nothing's free, not even love. God, right now I pray, Lord, that you would free us from what the world has labeled us, from what we labeled ourselves, from what Satan has laid, laid, labeled us. God, would you just help us to wrap our minds around the fact that it's done, it's finished, we are free. We don't have to live in our habits. We don't have to live in our addictions. We don't have to live in our sin. God, you have given us the power not to do that. Lord, help us truly grasp that, help us to not only grasp it, to apply it to our lives, Lord. God, I pray that this next week that we would continue to ponder what this means for us. What we do, what we say, not only affects us, Lord, but it affects our families, it affects our co-workers. It affects people we meet in the grocery store. God, may we clothe ourselves in you so that people don't see us. They see you. God, I pray that if there's somebody in the room right now who doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, who haven't, who haven't placed their faith in you, who haven't said, Jesus, I love you, and I want you in my life, and I want you to take control, and I have sinned, and I'm sorry. Lord, I pray if there is someone in here that hasn't said that, would they please say it today, Lord? I pray that they would not harden their hearts, but they would hear your voice, Lord, that they would feel your nudge. For those of us that already have you in our life, may we renew our commitment to put you at the head of our life. May we put you first. Your word says that when we put you first, everything else falls into place. God, we love you today. We worship you today. Thank you that we are a child of the one true King. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.